Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Jan. Welcome to the Lamplighters Podcast. Lamplighters is a community that encourages women to grow in our faith through the study of God's Word. We are grateful to be on the journey with you this year as we travel through the Psalms. And what a journey it has been. It has. Last week, we looked at personal lament, and we were encouraged, each of us, to take a stab at writing our own. And I hope if if you haven't done that yet, you will find some time in the next few days because it is truly a gift. Yeah, it is. Okay, so we've done personal lament. What are we doing today, Lynn? Well, we are still lamenting, but we are going to do it as a community because we are studying communal laments. Okay. Um, I hope by now that we are getting a pretty good idea of what a lament is and why it's not just okay to lament. It's really necessary. You yes. know, at least it is for me. It's it's the only true release I think I get. Absolutely. It is for all of us. So today we're going to look at two different Psalms, Psalm 74 and Psalm 85, which have two different reasons for the lament of a group of people. Okay. Um, in the first one, the psalmist starts off lamenting for himself, but quickly transitions to lamenting for his people. That's what makes it communal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an inter- intercessory communal lament because he is stepping in and praying for his entire community. The second lament is one that is meant to be read more in a communal setting. Um, if you remember, all the psalms are prayers and people repeated them back in prayer. Um, but this one is specifically for a community. Okay. So let's start with Psalm 74. Um, this psalm deals with the destruction of the temple by the Babylonians around 587 BC. Mm. Um, it's important to note here that many prophets had been warning of impending judgment, but their message was soundly ignored. Mm. So try to imagine this scene because it is dramatic. The Babylonians, who were pagans, entered the city of Jerusalem and completely took it over. Look at the description in the first eight verses. The people of God began by addressing the Lord, Why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against us? You know, does it sound like they're taking this personally? Mm -hmm. They are. There is a loss of faith in this moment. Now, we have to remember that these are God's chosen people. The Israelites, you know, he's brought them out of slavery um, from the Egyptians, and he gave them his covenant promise. But look what was happening. It didn't make sense. Everything they had built and every place that was there to honor God had been destroyed. The city had been taken away from them. Mm. If God was truly above all, how could he let this happen? I mean, I can see clearly why they had doubt. Oh, yeah. I can understand that. I mean, God, he just wasn't acting like they expected him to act or acting like he had in the past. He was allowing disaster to descend on them. And what kind of loving God does that? Right. But of course, they were conveniently ignoring the fact that those prophets had been warning them that their unfaithful behavior was going to bring disaster upon them. So they conveniently have forgotten all of that. (laughs) Exactly, as we often do. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, let's go back to the terms of that covenant promise that God had with his people. God said if Israel obeyed the Lord, he would bless them. If they disobeyed, he would chasten them. If they confessed, he would forgive them. 
Mm. Now, chasten sounds a whole lot softer than this total destruction that they were facing, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, why would God let his enemies destroy Jerusalem and the temple and not do anything about it? Why was he not keeping his covenant? Well, we know that God never breaks his promise. So something else is going on here. A little bit of study will show pretty quickly that the Israelites were not keeping their end of the deal. They thought that just living in the presence of the temple was their protection, you know, no matter what their behavior was. It was like their get out of jail free card. You know, surely God would protect his temple above all. So they could just live the way they wanted in the protection (laughs) of the temple. But remember, they had been warned. God had sent his prophets and they just ignored them. Then this, it's catastrophic. So basically, they were taking God and his covenant promises for granted. Exactly, they were. We've never done that. Yeah. Yeah. And then notice what these catastrophic events cause. The psalmist begins to process his despair in prayer, in intercessory prayer. When all else fails, maybe we should pray, right? Ah. How many times have I resorted to all my resources before prayer? I think part of that is just the habit of being self-sufficient and the reluctance to ask for help. But also, I'm thinking part of it, at least for me, maybe because I don't really want to hear what God says. Exactly. You know, when they received all those warnings, they would need it to repent. Yeah. And remember that Part of lamenting well Mm -hmm. is listening. That's right. Okay. I don't think I'm the only one that has that problem. Mm -hmm. Um, When I said to a friend of mine several weeks ago about having trouble preparing one of these podcasts, I listed all the things I had done. And then I said, and I've even prayed. (laughs) Her response was an ironic but understanding. Oh, so it's come to that, has it, Jan? Yeah. (laughs) It's a reminder once again that prayer should be my first resort, not my last. That's right. Yeah. Well, we see the shift that comes in the first word of verse 12, and it's that little word that changes everything, but. Our favorite word. Yeah. With that word, the psalmist remembers who God is and that God does have all the power. The psalmist has shifted from despair to confidence. You know, nothing has changed externally. Mm. Everything is still a disaster. But internally, his confidence in God is beginning to return. He remembers specific times that God has saved his people. He brought them out of Egypt. He provided water in the wilderness. He opened the Jordan River so they could cross into Canaan. The psalmist is changing his perspective. He's changing his focus. Instead of feeling rejected by God, he knows that God is still on his throne. And that the Babylonians have not defeated God. So he's doing what Laura was talking about last week. He's magnifying the Lord. That's right. And therefore, he himself and the situation has become right-sized. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, when I think about the power of evil, it can frighten me. I'm sure. You know, it's the age-old question of why does God allow bad things to happen to people who love him? Um. I think the most obvious event that I can compare this, the, the sort of situation in this psalm uh, to in our day is the events of 9-11. 
you know, as long ago as that was, I still remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. I do too. You know, at first it didn't even compute. We were seeing what was happening, but it didn't make sense. Then reality came crashing in and panic and fear followed. You know, no one really knew what was happening. You know, were we next? Could they do this to us? And who was doing this? Mm-hmm. How can we protect ourselves? It was just, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Then we started getting reports of the heroes who had given up their lives trying to save others. People everywhere were trying to do anything they could to help. I remember trying to go and give blood, mm-hmm. and they turned me away at the door. They said they had more than they could handle. <laughs> than they could handle. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, even the smallest things were making a big difference. I know. We took cookies to our firemen. Yeah. And then as a country, we started to pray. Yep. It didn't change what happened, but it did bring people together. It did. Catastrophes can do that whether it's a family disaster or a national one like 9-11, more recently, just think about the responses to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Or when that football player, Damar Hamlin, Mm -hmm. I think was his name, experienced a a cardiac arrest on national television. Mm -hmm. So many people over those two situations were united in prayer. And I think that's because we are created in the image of God. And when we are powerless, we instinctively turn to a higher power. Yeah, it's true. All right, well, let's move on to Psalm 85. And this Psalm was written after the Jewish people returned to their land following 70 years of captivity by the Babylonians. Now in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, they were warned that there would be 70 years of captivity if they didn't change their ways. So this psalm is a lament of revival. Hmm. Um, This psalm reminds us that history is both convicting and encouraging. It shows us how far we've fallen, but it also shows us all that God can do to restore us. Hmm. It starts with the psalmist asking God to restore us again. It's all about a new beginning. When we sin, we confess and move forward, trying not to sin again. It is a sin to fall and disobey God, but it's also a sin to stay fallen. We have responsibility in what comes after our confession of sin. We have to be proactive in confessing and moving forward. Hmm. So revival here is not the revival that I think we often think of. It's not that tent revival, you know, to win back the lost. Mm -hmm. Revival here means to live again, to be renewed in life. Ooh, I like that definition. Yeah, yeah. The Israelites are going back to their land and they are asking God to help them to be who they promised him they would be. The tone of, will you be angry with us forever, quickly changes to giving thanks for who God is and asking him to renew his people. I want to point out how this Psalm ends, and that is with the promise to listen. Mm. God has reconciled with his people, and their responsibility is to listen for what's next. And that's our lesson, too. That's our responsibility, too. God always has a message for us. We're not always listening. Absolutely. It's hard to listen. Yeah. It's hard to listen, listen well. Well, it's It's helpful for me to remember that these psalms were written by individuals, but they were written for the people of God. And today, that includes us as a Christian church, Uh right? Now, we, meaning Covenant 
Presbyterian Church, we had an experience several years ago of this type of communal lament. Were you involved in that, Lynn? I wasn't. Oh, okay. I'll try to explain. Okay. Our session, who are the spiritual leaders of our church, our session was convicted that Covenant had not treated several of our pastors and our staff well. And we needed to repent of those actions and ask forgiveness because those actions had had consequences that affected not only the individuals involved, but also the church. So we wrote letters to all of those that we had offended and hurt, or at least those we knew about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) confessing the specifics of the actions, asking forgiveness, and inviting those folks to a service of healing and reconciliation. Now, that service, that worship service, Mm -hmm. was open to the entire congregation. And much to my surprise, our sanctuary was almost full. Hmm. Leaders of the church led us in a liturgy of lament, corporate lament, Mm -hmm. communal lament. Mm -hmm. There was prayer. There were tears. Individual members of our church were reconciled over past hurts and misunderstandings. I actually saw one man climbing over the chairs in our sanctuary to get to another man Mm. to be forgiven and reconciled with him. Uh, It was an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit and a powerful healing for our little part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So that kind of communal lament can be very positive for the people of God. And I personally think we should examine ourselves more frequently. Yeah, humbling, right? But positive in the end result. And hard. It was hard. Yeah. Well, the obvious parallel I'm going to make here is with the COVID pandemic. Mm. You know, we were prisoners in our own homes. And I don't know about you, Jan, but I had more than a few moments when I was Ugh. lamenting and shaking my fist at God. Uh, but as usual, there were lessons to be learned. Of course. Um, with the uh, blessing of the internet, we were able to join people all over the world in grief, but also in hope and in prayer. Mm. And even though we couldn't understand why we were going through what we were going through, the way it brought people closer together, even though we had to be physically apart, was a gift from God. And, you know, what about now? We're still carrying the scars, but are we listening for what is next? Mm. I, I think the biggest lesson I learned from the pandemic is the reality of God and His attributes. You know, we so often use just words to describe him, but those words don't really mean anything until we feel them in his actions, until he personifies them. Mm -hmm. He is the personification of his attributes. And no matter what we are going through, when we remember who he is, we can have hope. It doesn't mean things are easier. It doesn't mean we won't get mad. What it means is that the God who loved us enough to send his son to save us is always there with us if we just look for him. We need to do whatever it takes to change our perspective and look to him instead of at our own circumstances. Once again, we need to magnify the Lord. That's right. Right. Well, I am so grateful that we live on this side of the cross. Mm -hmm. God's new covenant with us through the blood of his own son, Jesus, has no conditions set upon it. There are no ifs. If we have to obey, if we do this, if we do that, there are no ifs we have to obey in order to keep up our end of the bargain and receive God's blessings. His love is unconditional. That is so hard for us to understand and to experience. He knows we can't keep up 
our end of the bargain. So he fulfilled the bargain himself through Jesus. And that means we are free to be loved unconditionally and to love without that dreaded if Mm -hmm. hanging over our heads. We don't have to earn God's love by anything we think or say or do because his love is freely given, Mm -hmm. not because we deserve it or could ever deserve it, but because he is a loving God. That is a true gift of grace. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to leave our listeners with today? Well, um, we will always have things to lament, both personally and communally. I think if you're in a good place now, what I would do is I would encourage you to take some time remembering all the ways and times God has revived you in the past and write them down. Mm. Keep them in a place where you can go to them when things aren't going so well. And if you're not in a good place right now, turn to your community and ask them to lament with you. You know, God gave us community for many reasons. And one of those reasons is to point us back to Him when we've lost sight of Him. Mm -hmm. And I would add, remember to listen. Yeah. Listen to God's voice in your list of times when God has brought new life to you. Um, Listen to God's voice in your community. And you might be really surprised at what you hear. Now, the other thing I want to say is to go to the uh, resources page on our website and check it out because we have posted a sample communal lament Uh for you by someone that we know well. Oh. So, until next time.